Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Joshua chapter number one, I'm going to leave you here with a, a thought tonight. I won't, I won't hold you long. I realize that we've, we've been praying and such, but I believe that I need to just drop this uh, in our hearts and our lives uh, this evening. Joshua 1, uh, verse number 7, starting, the Bible states these words. This is, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua. Moses has died and has passed off the scene. So the word of the Lord comes to Joshua in verse number seven and says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Amen. And for a little while tonight, I want to just preach on this subject you go and I'll come you go and I'll come look at your neighbor and tell them that tell them if you'll go God's going to come amen let's pray together tonight a lot of prayer been going on hey there's nothing wrong with that it's a Pentecostal apostolic church God we come to you right now we need Jesus your spirit God upon our lives we need Lord your anointing God upon the remainder of this service every individual Lord said under the sound of my voice God me included Lord needs the power of your anointing God to touch our lives afresh God in this service tonight God open up the windows of heaven God pour out a blessing God but there is not room enough Lord to continue it lord and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it in the lovely name of jesus christ that i pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen you may be seated tonight the lovely name of the lord you go and i will or i'll come joshua chapter number one records for us uh, there's a stream of words that begin to take place throughout Joshua chapter number one that if you read the whole chapter, I believe you would very quickly denote that the Lord is consistently telling this fresh new leader, call him a rookie if you want to, Joshua, that there are some important things that he just needs to be assured of and some important things that he needs to be admonished about. And as we see time and time again in verse number six, the call to Joshua is to be strong and of good courage. Then 
just right after that in verse number seven, he again pauses to remind or admonish Joshua, only be thou strong and very courageous. He tells him in verse number nine, uh, I mean, if Joshua doesn't understand what God's trying to say to him by the end of this chapter, he's just not going to get it. Because in verse number nine, again, the spirit of the Lord is speaking to him and saying, be strong and of good courage. And he finishes out the chapter in verse number 18, reemphasizing what he's already spoke about all along. Only be strong and of good courage. Courage. And he's speaking this to a fresh new rookie leader by the name of Joshua. The children of Israel at this particular moment are camped just right at the Jordan River. The Jordan River at this time is the only thing that separates them from their promise, them from their land of Canaan. But Joshua is standing in the shadows of a great leader. Joshua standing in the shadows of a very huge figure. Scripture even relates to you and I. He cast a big shadow and that is the man Moses. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 34 in the closing verses of that chapter concerning the greatness of the, this man Moses and the shadow if you will that he would cast. It speaks of him that there was not uh, another prophet that was like unto Moses. Not since any day as he had took his walk upon the scene of humanity had there ever been another prophet like Moses was that spoke to the Lord like a man speaks to his friend face to face. And it is this Joshua that's coming into this position now of being deliverer and leader that has this foreboding and overshadowing him the great leadership of Moses who there is not another one like him. Now can you imagine stepping into those shoes and understanding the leader before you there will never be another like him. And uh, you're supposed to now be fulfilling in his role and in his stead. And that's what Joshua was contending with. And the Bible even speaks that concerning Moses under his leadership and tutorship, there was all these signs and wonders that Moses had did in Egypt in the presence of Pharaoh and among his servants. And there were great signs great wonders that he did among them. If you'll remember the rod that turned into a snake and back into a rod again. The, the hand that was put into his bosom and pulled out and it was leprous and put back in and it came out whole and clean again. And need we not forget uh, the ten plagues that came and were spoken of through and by Moses upon the house of Pharaoh and upon the Egyptians. And so he has all of this portfolio in his repertoire if you will among people that this is the greatest prophet that there ever was and there will not be another like him not only all the signs and the miracles and the wonders that were done in the courts of Pharaoh but all the signs and miracles that were done amen among the nation of Israel through their wilderness journeys water from a rock we never seen any on this sort or kind. And this is all attributed to God working through Moses. Manna that would fall from heaven for the provision of the children at other times. Quail that would fall from heaven. The parting, a very notable thing right from the go, the parting of the Red Sea to bring thousands upon thousands and some even say millions of people across the Red Sea. Uh, holding up a brazen serpent on a pole and whoever would look 
had it would be made whole of their plague and their dilemma. All of these great things through and by the hand of Moses. He is casting, folks, a very large shadow for another man to step into his shoes and step into that place. Forty days and forty nights on the Mount of God. Communing with the Lord. Speaking to the Lord. Ten commandments being given unto his care. The pattern of the tabernacle of the wilderness being entrusted to Moses. There wasn't going to be another Ten Commandments that Joshua could get from a mound. There, there, there wasn't going to be another pattern to a tabernacle that was going to be entrusted to Joshua. That happened for Moses. And here is Joshua now coming into these shoes. The ordering of the priesthood given to Moses by God and him setting all things in order where it should be. There's a great shadow that's being cast that Joshua is stepping into. So he, you can only begin to somewhat begin to understand where Joshua might be stepping into that row and stepping into to that function asking himself how is he going to be perceived in the eyes of the people uh, how how are they going to respect me or revere me after they've had such a great person and a great man uh, for that matter I'm one of only two people that are survivors from the other generation I'm only one of two of those members that are from the degenerate generation that is still around and I wonder if somehow he thought at times uh, do they view me as they were is there a stigma upon my life is there a stigma upon my family just because I was from that generation and that people and we got the foreboding influence of Moses upon me and God's telling me to go over Jordan that Moses never went over God, God's asked me to pass over this that Moses never trod a foot over. Moses uh, was nothing more but limited, just the Bible says, to seeing the promised land in Canaan with his eyes. But now, now God, you've given into my care that I should go into the promised land. Not another prophet like Moses and he can only see it. And you're asking me, Joshua, from a degenerative tribe, amen, and with a family, no doubt, that probably has somewhat of a stigma attached to it. You want me to go into the promised land? And yet the Bible says that Moses did lead the children of Israel, amen, through a very unintended wilderness for 40 years, amen. He has been to the Jordan River twice in his life, but never over it. But Joshua would lead them not just here to this Jordan right now, stationed there, but lead them into and over into the promised land. And the word of God is reaffirming and reemphasizing to Joshua again again with all these doubts and, and insecurities and uncertainties in his life he's constantly telling him be strong and be of good courage he had to ensure this new leader ensure this one of a degenerative generation that he needs to be strong and be of good courage he goes to the extent in the link to say as I was with Moses so I will be with you. He tells him in verse number five, I will be with you. He tells him, I will not fail you. He tells him, I will not forsake you. And he says in verse number nine, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I mean, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, has been landless for about 500 years. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were at best nobads and sojourners in the land of Canaan. And after their lives came this bondage for a long period of time of somewhere around 400 years. And after all of that is this traveling for 40 years in the wilderness with testings and trainings. And now they are about ready to inherit everything that God has been promising since the days of Abraham unto his people. Someone say amen. Joshua says, I got big shoes to fill. Joshua says, we've never been over Jordan. Joshua says, I have some insecurities from my own life and the generation that passed on before me. But I hear the word of the Lord, it's telling me to go. I hear the word of the Lord telling me just to go on and grab and go forward and march on and cross over this Jordan and go into the promised land. But he's not stated that without telling me to be strong. He's not stated that without telling me to be of good courage. God, why are you telling him this be strong and be of good courage? Because little maybe the Joshua really known, he probably had a certain sense of it. But as soon as you step into the land of promise, Joshua, the first 12 chapters of the book of Joshua now is he and the Israelites taking the land for about 12 chapters they are involved in warfare for 12 chapters they are involved in battle and then for 10 chapters after that it's the distribution and the divvying up of the land he's about ready to step in his promise but his promise is not coming without a fight and so the all seeing eye of God knows this he knows where he told Joshua to go God knows where he told Joshua to go. And before the first battle was ever fought, before there's the first clanging of the swords or the throwing of the spears, he's telling Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. The reason why the Lord was speaking to Joshua to be strong is this, because no doubt he was already dealing with what he perceived to be like some weaknesses in comparison to Moses, some weaknesses. In comparison to the generation before that he was a member of, some weaknesses. But he's gonna have to go in there and fight. So I don't need you to be milly mouth, Joshua. I don't need you to be weak. You're gonna have to be strong. And I'm telling you to be strong also because it's easy to get discouraged when you're weak. Discouragement is a whole lot easier to make an inroad in the life of the people when you're down and out, when you're weak, when you're feeble. Whenever, when, if you're strong and you feel like you got the world by the tail, it's hard to discourage you. But whenever you're weak, it's easy to get discouraged. And so the word of the Lord was telling Joshua, he says, you be strong and you be of good courage. Go into the land. Someone say go. go. He said go. And he said, I won't forsake you. He said, go, and wheresoever you go, I will be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, from the very beginning of time of the nation of Israel, the call, the plea, the command has been to go. From the very beginning, in Genesis chapter number 12, God told the father of the nation of Israel, which is Abraham, he said, get thee out of your country. What are you saying, God? God is saying to go, and the Bible records that Abraham departed. Amen. Yet whenever Abraham departed, though he did not know where he was going, he did not go at it alone. Because whenever God says go, he means I'm shortly thereafter going to follow. When, just one moment. 
God told Jacob, he says, Jacob, listen, this was the Lord speaking to Jacob in Exodus chapter or Genesis chapter 46. He says, Jacob, go down into Egypt. God told Jacob to go down into Egypt, but not without taking just a short breath and in the same sentence saying, and I will go down with I'll go down with you. Uh, Egypt, uh, that, that, that wicked place, uh, it's going to be pernicious that they only knew everything that was going to come about. But God already knew. Uh, he knew what was going to take place. Uh, he knew what they were going to be facing. He knew the bondage and slavery that they were going to be in. Uh, but he still gave the word. Uh, he said, "Go." it was God's will for them to go down in Egypt and inhabit the land of Goshen. But the Lord said, listen here. If I send you, I'm going to come myself. If I tell you to go, you're not going to go at it alone the Bible says that God told Moses after he had departed from Egypt and went to the backside of a desert that as he seen that bush that was burning but not being consumed on the backside of the desert the spirit of the Lord spoke from that bush and says Moses I want you to go back Go back to Egypt. Hallelujah. But once again in Exodus 3 with those same words and that admonition to go. He says you go back to Egypt. But let me tell you something Moses. I will be with you. What are you saying Lord? Moses if you will go. I will come. If you go. I will come. The golden calf, it's erected. It's finally pulverized and put into the water for them to drink. And the Levites are then on the Lord's side. And all of this has happened. There's been a pause in the parade through the wilderness. Everybody is at a stop. Nothing's happening. No progress is being made. But the Spirit of the Lord rises up in their leader by the name of Moses. And he hears the sound of God clearly. And the voice of the Lord is saying this. It's time to resume your journey. you got to continue on your way. you got to go in the direction that you were headed. And you know what Moses' plea to the Lord is after all of that happening after all of this degradation among the people he says Lord if I go and take this people who are you going to send with me got the answer for it if you will go I will come he says my presence will go with you my presence will provide for you my presence will be in every path along the way but you got to go in order for me to come Someone say glory. Moses was so adamant about this. And you've heard me say this a thousand times. He said, Lord, he says, listen, if, if, if you don't come, he said, I don't want to go. If you don't come, I don't want to go. God said, that's fine. But listen here, Moses, if you don't go, I can't come. He says, but if you will, rest assured, if you will, You'll put forth the effort. You'll put forth one foot in front of the other. If you'll go, verse 15 says there in Exodus 33, I will come. Now, the Bible states in the New Testament scripture, Joshua, he's, he's, you know, he, he's struggling with this. He knows what the Spirit wants him to do, but he just needs the reassurance that the Spirit that's sending him is the Spirit that's going to come with him. And Luke 9 and verse 52, the Bible says in New Testament scripture, and sent, and this is kind of in the, in the ending of a story here, and sent messengers. Everybody say sent messengers. 
and sent messengers before his face. And they went. This is Jesus. He's sending messengers before him. Going into a city, a village of the Samaritans before him. He sent messengers before his face. And the Bible says, and they went. And they entered into a village of the Samaritans. Why? To make ready for him. And the sadness of the situation. The Bible says those of the village of the Samaritans, they did not receive him. Just because God tells you to go and he comes doesn't mean that all those places he sends you that he or you would readily be received. But you were not sent on the contingency of reception. You were sent on the contingency of the authority in his voice that said go. With the assurance that he would come. What good is this? Christ, we came. They didn't receive you. He says, yeah, that may be the case, but did I still come? No, 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 no. Some of us are not willing to go because everywhere we go, we're not received. Everything we go, we're not willingly accepted or is our Christ willingly accepted? That's not the persuasion in the formula for me, folks. The persuasion is this. He says go, and whether there's reception or not, I have the assurance he's going to come. If I go, he will come, the Bible says. Now look now. Look, that's one scenario. But in the very next chapter, Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 1, the Bible states these words. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face. What's he doing? He's, sending, he's telling some others to go. He sends them before his face into every city and to every place. And the Bible says whether he himself would come. He's sending them everywhere that he's going to visit sooner or later. Where God's sending them is where he's going to be in just a little while. Now, some of the cities and towns that they were being sent may not seem too accommodating to them or the Lord. (laughs) But them going was just, if you will, paving the path for his coming. Jesus sent messengers before him. Amen. For the purpose, the scripture said, to make ready for him. Why? Because he would then come when God sends us down a path as a church or individually as as a, as a people when God sends us down a path or might I even say if God sends us to a person rest assured it's because he himself is going to show up God sent Joshua in the middle of a long, arduous battle that lasted for some 
12 chapters, uh, almost every day was battle. Almost every day was warfare. Amen. Joshua, be strong. Be courageous. Be strong in the Lord. But most importantly, Joshua, know that everywhere you're going, I'm coming. Every every ground that you're taking, I'm coming right behind you. Wherever so ever you go, I'm coming. Folks, we got to get that. I feel in the Holy Ghost. We got to get that in our spirit tonight. What's the use of me going? I'll tell you what the use is of you going is because it's setting the stage for Christ to come. It's setting the stage for a visitation of God Almighty himself. So keep going. You know what God's saying in all that? I'm not going to send you anywhere that I wouldn't come myself. If you go, I'll come. I'm not going to send you anywhere that I wouldn't come myself. What are you talking about? Ask the three Hebrew boys if that's true. Ask Daniel if that's true. Ask Noah if that's true. Ask Moses if that's true. Ask Gideon if that's true. He didn't send any of those men somewhere that he didn't end up showing up. Someone say yes. In Luke 22 and verse number 8, the Bible states these words. Now look at this. Look at this. This is important. The Bible says, and he sent, this is Jesus again. Here's a couple of the disciples. He sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. Christ wasn't going with them at this time. He was sending them on ahead. Go. Prepare Passover so we might eat. This is common. This is common. We've already seen this several times in New Testament Scripture. That Jesus all times sent his disciples ahead. Many times for the purpose of making preparations for when he would show up. Now, if you'll notice in Luke 22 and verse number 12. They're kind of asking the Lord some questions. Where will thee that, that, that we prepare? And he gives them some instruction about how there's going to be someone carrying a pitcher of water. A man will. And they're supposed to follow him to a house. And, and you should speak to the good men of the house and tell them that the master said something about uh, where, where the guest chamber is. And where he can eat the, the, the Passover with his disciples. And he said, now that guy, that, 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 that individual there, uh, the good men of the house, he's going, to, he's going to show you a large upper room furnished there. Furnished there. Make ready. Verse. 12 says he was going to show them a large upper room. Everybody say furnished. And he says there, make ready. Uh-huh. Someone say hallelujah. Jesus sent the disciples, these two, Peter and John, to do a particular task. And whenever they got to where he wanted them to go, They were at a place that was fully furnished. He set them on a job, set them down a path, set them to a place. He told them to go and they went, but not without being fully furnished. What they needed to accomplish in the preparations were available at the location he told them to go. Scripture plainly says that there was that large upper room furnished. Everybody say furnished. The upper room was furnished. (laughs) He says go 
and they can't get there and say, well, we just don't have what we need. It's not like Christ could say go and they could start making excuses of what they had lack of in order to prepare for what he wanted them to prepare for. Nobody's going to help me here tonight. Amen. Whenever he said go, whenever they got to that location, there was everything that was needed right there in order to prepare for when he would come. You know what we assume the attitude of sometimes is the church well we don't have this or we lack that and there's not this and if we had that or if there's a few more people or if there's a little extra money or if we had just a few more people or if it, or, and we come up with all the excuses all the excuses Christ told every single one of us to go do you believe now back in 2007 all the hippity hype and enthusiasm everybody coming to this church was right he told you all to go that happened before I even got here that you all got here he told us all to go. Well, whenever we get to where we're going, you better look around because he's provided some furnishings. But now it's our responsibility to make the preparations with the furnishings that are there and rest on the assurance that if he said go, he's going to come. Someone say amen. We can sit in our pew and just in our own homes and think all day and make excuse if I just had that or if we just had that, if there's just a few more garnishings, if there's no, 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 everything was furnished. Everything that they needed was at the location that he told them to go to. But there still needed to be some preparation. And that involves all of us. Those all of us. It's not a lack of furnishings. Lack of preparation. If you go, I'll come. I sent you where the furnishings are. But prepare, he said. Prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare, 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 prepare. Here, here's some lamb over here. Here's some place settings over here. Here's the utensils we need for eating over here. Here's the basin. Man, what are what we're going to use that for? Oh, they found out, didn't they? Here's all the garments that we need. Here, here's everything. Here's the bitter herbs. Here it all. Here it all is. My goodness, it couldn't be any better. It couldn't be any better to make preparations. Everybody say fully furnished. Fully, fully, fully furnished. And he says, you go. You prepare. He says, I'll come. Notice what the scripture says in verse number 14. Look at it now. Even verse 13, if you will. They talked about the furnishings. They talked there, make ready. That was the voice of the Lord. And they went and found as he had said unto them. The furnishings were there. And look what the scripture says in verse 13. And they made ready the Passover. This was not the attitude of the disciples. Well, I mean, it's kind of basically all here. Well, we'll just wait for him to get here and then we'll do something. I mean, it's all within arm's reach, Brother Mason. It's fully furnished. It just take a little bit of time to throw this. We get all the disciples here and we, you know, Lord, and whenever he shows up, we'll get all this. That's not the way it worked. He says, you prepare. You prepare before I get there. 
So what are those guys doing? I don't know how much time they had, but honey, they're getting this. They're setting that on the table. They're getting all the benches in just right. Why are you why why are you so diligent about that? Why are you so careful and diligent about that? Because I know he's coming because he don't send us anywhere. We've been down this long road before. We've never went anywhere until he, sooner or later he showed up. And so what are we doing right now? Man, I, I just don't sense him here yet. I just don't, he's not walked in the room yet. It doesn't seem like he's moving around here quite yet. Let me tell you folks, don't be idle with that time. You need to be making some preparations. Grab everything that's around you that's fully furnished and make preparations because he's coming, he's coming. He wouldn't send us if he didn't plan on coming. They made preparations. And the Bible says in verse 14, and when the hour was come. What hour is that? The hour that the preparations are complete. The hour that it was the time frame for the Passover meal. When that hour came, the Bible says he sat down at the appointed time. At the appointed time. I can see Peter smiling ear and ear like Brother Mason sometimes would say a basket full of chickmunks. Thinking, listen here, buddy, we did good. We didn't let no grass grow under our feet. We knew he was coming. We, 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 we knew that he was coming. And whenever the hour came, he set down hallelujah folks he is going to come if we will just go do you understand from the old testament scripture that there was no divine presence in the tabernacle and there was no divine presence in the temple until the preparations had been made the cloud didn't show up while they was erecting the beam Cloud didn't show up as they were fashioning the lampstand. They were fashioning the brazen altar. No, the Bible says in Exodus 40 and verse 33 concerning the tabernacle. So Moses finished the work. And then in verse 34, the Bible says these words. Then, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle where their furnishings yeah there were silver and gold and all the materials in the hands of the people it was readily there but it still took somebody to prepare it still took somebody to work but whenever Moses finished the work lo and behold there's a cloud because when God sends you he plans on coming himself In 1 Kings chapter number 6, amen, the Bible is speaking of the temple of Solomon four times within 1 Kings chapter number 6. Solomon is speaking of, the Bible is speaking of that the temple is being spoken as being finished. Four times in 1 Kings 6, it says the temple was finished. The final touches were placed upon the temple. It was finished. It was finished. And whenever that final touch was placed on the ark of God, that was really the final of finishing touches, they brought the ark of God all the building was complete all the furniture was there but they brought that ark of God and they put it in the spot where it should be the holies of holies they drew those staves out amen it's going to be there in that abode and when they put that ark of God there in verse number 10 of first king 6 it says that the cloud I don't know if you got that. First Kings chapter 6 and verse number 10. The Bible says the cloud filled the house of 
the Lord. I don't believe that they were bumfuzzled over that because they knew that if God told them to go, that he was going to come. That if God told them to go and if they would prepare, that God was going to come. If you'll stand with me tonight and I'll come to a close as quickly as possible. If you go, Joshua, I'll come. Wherever, wherever you go. Wherever I send you, I'll come. Wherever I, wherever I designate that you need to go, I'm going to come. Make preparations. When you get there, it's going to be fully furnished. Amen. Just make preparations. Be, be, be of good courage. Be strong. Don't, don't get disappointed. Don't get discouraged. Don't get weak. I know there's a big shadow foreboding that feels like you're standing in the shadow of. He said, don't worry about that. I've told you to go. Whenever I say go, I'm going to come. It's so true for even New Testament scripture that he told those old boys. He told those old boys before he ever ascended after his resurrection in Luke 24 and verse 49. He said, listen here, boys. He said, I want you to go. I want you to go tarry in Jerusalem. I want you to go tarry in that city. Go tarry in that place where my name is first going to be preached. And the Bible, he's speaking to him. Those disciples, before it's a city, he's speaking to him. Go, go, I'm sending you. I'm, I'm going to send you to a place that's fully furnished. <laughs> go on, guys. Get to Jerusalem. Get to that upper room. Tarry there in Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Acts 1.13 that those came to Jerusalem and they went up into the upper room. They went to the exact location that he told him to go and then in Acts chapter number 2 the Bible says and suddenly there came suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind what happened he told them to go and all of a sudden he's showing up Honey, this is not some cunningly devised fable that I hold in my hand. This is not a book of stories. Amen. Just good to read at night and somehow touch your little mind with. And is it that great for that? No, 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 no. The God that said go here and showed up later is still the God that sins now and says go and shows up at the appointed time when all the preparations have been made with the furnishings that he has provided. Our musicians would come. I can't preach much longer, but I could. I got the air to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think the prophet Isaiah had an inroad to this whole mechanics of this go and come scenario because in Isaiah chapter number 6 and he seen the Lord high on a high and lifted up his train filled the temple in the year that King Uzziah died all this happened and that coal was laid from the altar to his lips and he said I'm a man unclean lips to among unclean people and all this stuff that God makes that request and he says who can I send I think Isaiah understood this go and come factor with God because whenever God opened the door of who can I send Isaiah says send me Lord Isaiah what are you doing volunteering to go somewhere because when God sends he ends up showing up there himself I'll go Lord 
Send me, Lord. Because I know you're going to put me at a place that's fully furnished. And I know it might require some work. I know it might require some preparations. But that's all right. When we put the final finishing touches on it, you're going to show up. You're going to show up. You're going to show up. We bow our heads in this place tonight. We bow our heads in this place tonight. All across this building. God is speaking into this assembly, this church tonight. He has a very repetitive voice. His voice is go. And from that voice, we say, Lord, in response, we have went. But he's followed it up with some instruction. The instruction is this. Make preparations. Make preparations. I'm telling the church today, we've been obedient to the voice. April the 1st of 2007, we had the first service here in this church. We was obedient to the voice. We came. There's pictures of you all that were painting rooms and laying down sticky tile. Smiles upon your faces. Overjoyed. More people than what's here right now. Overjoyed to be here. So excited. Man, we're going to give pledges and give to the, the building, the building uh, mortgage because we know it's going to be larger than what we ever had. We're going from being debt free to big time in debt. Writing the moment of the request, I want you to go. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. There is no less furnishings from the pantry of God here now than what there was in 2007. So I'm asking somebody, if you see it around you, get your hand on it and make preparations because the quicker we can prepare, The quicker we can get all things in order, the quicker he's going to come. Amen. So, so I don't, I don't want to make the excuse because we could, we could, we could conjure up some of those. Yeah, we could conjure. Uh, honey, sit down with me. I could give you a list if you can't come up. I could come up with some. But he sent us to a place fully furnished. So I'm telling. The congregation that I'm trying with the spirit of encouragement to be as God did. You know, sometimes we look at the generations before, man, they just had all this and all that. We stand in the shadow of great men and women of God and warriors and saints of the faith that have went on before us. We stand sometimes in their shadow and feel very, very uncertain about it. But hear the voice of the Lord. Be strong. Be very courageous. Again, he says, be strong. Be very courageous. Why? Because your first order of business when you get there is going to be some fighting. First order of business, Joshua, when you get there is almost going to be a daily fight. Sign me up for that. Yeah. (laughs) He said, but when the fighting has ceased, it's going to be the distribution of what you've obtained. Whenever all the fighting's over, Brother DePries, it's going to be a dividing up of all the spoils of everything that you have obtained. But the only way you get to obtainment mode is you got to work through fighting mode. And you got to work. And you got to prepare. And lo and behold, somewhere along the way, the cloud is going to fill the house. Because when God says go, He's going to come. Let's pray today. I invite somebody. I invite... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.